Hello and welcome to our next episode of What We're All About. My name is Salve Lin and this is Steve. And today we are finally joined by Nina. Hi. <laughs> so good to have you. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me here. And yeah, so as we often do it, we decided to do this quite spontaneous. No sort of script planned, which I really like actually, because then it just flows. But some guests for the future already have requested some pre-made questions. But <laughs> Nina was open to just let it flow, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. So maybe just... Let us know how has your last week been? My last week has been pretty dry. Um, I've finished a paper for university, finally, that I've been working on for two months. When I say working on, I also mean thinking about for two months. The <laughs> actual working time has been reduced the last three weeks. But because of the paper, my social life has been non-existent. I have not yet gone outside to the restaurants that are now newly opened or anything like that, but I sent off the paper this morning, so. Nice. Lots of fun things on the horizon now. <laughs> yes, congrats to that. Yeah, some focused work time then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I always like, when I get into the flow, I feel super productive because I have a tendency to procrastinate on things and work in very unfocused manners, but as soon as enough pressure is there, I get very focused and on task and yeah. I do enjoy it for that brief amount of time if it were more than just like a week of super intense work I would burn out yeah. <laughs> but those those weeks when they do come or are necessary it's kind of cool yeah. yeah I know what you mean you have that first like anticipatory kind of phase where you're thinking oh I need to get started soon and mm -hmm. you feel the pressure piling up and you know you just have to start it yeah and then you kind of put that off for some time but then when you actually start it and get the ball rolling momentum's quite like exhilarating and then you find that you're capable of actually doing it as well yeah. you get energy from that too yeah when you get like in your that. rhythm it's so much fun as well right i remember that from uni it always took me a couple of days and then to just focus on that one task of writing it i mean i had the privilege to be able to go to the library as well so it <laughs> added a little bit of structure and then you know go for coffee breaks with your friends or have lunch together or whatever so you've been doing that from home I guess yeah the yeah. the comfort of my bedroom but I did find a online discord group like an online writing group in an attempt to recreate the like library feeling nice. and um, we all work with a shared Pomodoro timer Pomodoro is like 25 minutes of work five minutes of rest oh cool yeah, yeah. Um, And we're all just in like a call together with the microphones muted and the camera on. So you feel like you're kind of watched. And then the timer goes off and we chat yeah. for five minutes or get up and get a tea or whatever. And then the timer goes back on and it's 25 minutes of work. Yeah. And that's been super helpful because I usually work in a library setting as well, like you just said. Yeah. And that's really where I felt yeah. like I got my work done in the past. And doing it in my bedroom where there's so many distractions um, was really <laughs> yeah. a challenge at the beginning. But yeah, yeah it's just trying to create this like a feeling of like space for you're trying to somehow like virtually change your atmosphere so you can get into the right flow right because mm -hmm. otherwise it just feels like you're just you're just relaxing at home yeah but i like the way you can use these tools to properly it really does make you feel like you're somewhere else too if you're using the right software like this is cool because you feel like you're in a community to some extent yeah definitely then, yeah it's kind of funny the way you said you feel like you're being watched but that sounds really <laughs> like off-putting but that's actually kind of helpful in a way because you feel like you're with people Yeah. See, yeah. So. yeah. 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 That you sort of share space, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a little yeah. bit of responsibility towards the other people who are also working at the yeah. same time. So yeah. totally. if I'm tempted to get off task and start googling random questions that are yeah. popping into my head uh, that are not related to my university yeah. <laughs> assignment, yeah. I always come back and I'm like, oh no, but everyone else is on task, so I should yeah. also be on task in solidarity oh, nice. in our mutual suffering. Yeah, <laughs> and it sort of artificially creates the confines of being in a space because if you're in a library, there's a certain set of rules when you're there and stuff like that. That you can't just make yourself 100% at home. Yeah. Like you have to behave like you're you're there, of mm -hmm. course. And it yeah. kind of like recreates that, which is quite cool. Yeah, sit a little bit straighter in my chair. Don't have like my feet up on my desk while I'm reading my, yeah, exactly. my texts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. No, yeah, I've heard a, a cool lot about this Discord platform too. It seems oh, to yeah? be just taken off. Yeah, I only came across it through music. Like a lot of producers use it. They kind of like, they use it to 
build a community with their fans, I think. Yeah. And then you can, it's a bit like a forum thing, right? Or yeah, I feel, I, I'm also by no means an expert and anyone who knows anything about Discord is probably gonna say that this is all wrong. But to me, it feels like a combination of Slack where you have the different yeah. channels right. and, and Zoom because within the channels, you can then also have calls, video calls. Okay. And I think if I understood correctly, it kind of started with the more of a, like the gaming community because you can stream uh, yeah. your okay. screen. Right, yeah. But I think it's really cool that it's been kind of taken into all of these different areas working together online. My yeah, brother yeah. is in one for like investing. Ah, nice. Something, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. But yeah, it's really it's really neat. Yeah, cool. I think it's also I used to when I was younger use forums quite a bit for my music discussion, but there's a certain way of being that people discuss over forums. It's not like a loose conversation, you know. It's mm. kind of like people ended up formulating their responses too much in a sense because it was and it was more it just brought out more of a debating sort of atmosphere, but I guess because it's more like the Slack thing, it's more like a chat. Yeah. So people are more inclined just to speak away casually, but this um this forum kind of atmosphere I don't like at all. Mm -hmm. But the Discord seems to be a nice blend between the both between kind of like a live chat and also a structured space for discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Right, to come back to Nina a little bit more here. <laughs> Since I don't do any cheesy intros of people, because I think often it's so focused on certain achievements, and then many of us have so many exciting adventures, we don't really put on the board so much or whatever. But so what I like to sometimes ask is where do you see your story begins? <laughs> I mean, no neither, pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Just a massive question. <laughs> where does my story begin? I think that the, the question of where a story begins very much depends on which aspect of myself we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I guess I give you the freedom of choice. Yeah, decisions, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that feeling, so yeah. take a moment if you like. Which, which part <laughs> of myself I want to present? I mean... Or just what popped into your head, you know? Like if you just, even like for, for one guest of ours, it was like a really fast answer. And for me, it was also just thinking maybe of the first image that popped into my head of my story or of where I grew up or mm -hmm. like really it's not something you can answer right or wrong yeah it's really just what maybe even what you feel in this moment you know mm -hmm. well for for me family is one of the most I mean it is the most important thing in my life and so the first I, I would love to have some kind of like cool story about where I was traveling or something. It's like, ah, this is where my identity begins and continues forward. But I think really it's, I started with my family, like like we all do. My parents are German and I grew up in the United States, was also born in the United States. And so growing up bilingually and sharing the US, American and German cultures has really kind of created the essence of, of who I am and, mm -hmm. and the way I see the world. If you had asked me, describe yourself in three words. Two of them I'm not sure, but the one that I always know and always come back to is openness. Mm -hmm. um, I consider myself a super open person. And I yeah. think that also, and the reason why it's so important to me is because of sharing these two cultures growing up, always having two different ways of looking at everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. That is super nice. I mean, to me as well, I was thinking about the question the other day. And to me, it also starts at home with my family. Mm -hmm. you know one of the first flashes of memories that I have so yeah interesting and that's definitely a, a big part of your personality in that sense so yeah when you grew up was it often a thing that you talked about how the German culture which they grew up in was different to the culture that they were now bringing you up in so were they kind of referring back to like if we were back in Germany this is how it would be done or like were they still adapting to it to some extent or how did it feel to you was it because growing up in Scotland with parents from Scotland, it was never really talked about that we're in Scotland now. Well, of course we are. But for you, was it like a theme, you know? Was it something you always, like your parents were keen to remind you or like educate you on how things were different in Europe or how did that work? I don't think so. Not in an explicit way that it was talked about. We just kind of lived our lives, which at some point became, then it became clear to me that 
the way that we were living at home was in some aspects different than my American friends with American parents. Ah. But it wasn't like, ah, we are eating Nutella because we are German. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just, yeah, it was just kind Is of... Is Nutella German? It's, it's, I think it's Italian. I think it's but Italian, me, yeah, but... For me, it was always such like... a German true, thing to true. have. Yeah. yeah. For, for me, it was like or the quintessential. Italian? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> it's I also thought it was Rocher. Yeah. Mm. Which, when I say Rocher, now it sounds French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I exactly. think it's an Italian. It does company. sound very French. Oh. Well, Nutella for for us, for my brother and I, it was always like that is the thing that is, that we look forward to to go to Germany is to have Nutella mm -hmm. because when we were growing right. up, Nutella was not established in, in the United States yet. I now, was just about to ask. Yeah, now it is. Already, yeah. But every time we came back from summer vacation in Germany, we'd always have like the big jar of Nutella that we had brought back, and then for like <laughs> a few weeks, we'd have like bread with Nutella mm. at school, and we were like My the, mouth is yeah the most <laughs> popular kids at lunch because everyone nice. like they have Nutella. Yeah. Nutella is the best. One of these kilo jars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like it's a little bit of an inside joke between my brother and I that we think we are the ones who brought Nutella to the United States. Mm, yeah. Because Probably. Yeah, Probably I did. Mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously. at the time you could get it in the in the city where we grew up, there was a world market and you could get it there. It was super overpriced. We almost never did, but it was there. It was possible to get. And so a lot of our friends knew of Nutella and would convince their parents to occasionally get Nutella from the world market. <laughs> and then, like, five years later, Ferrero Rocher or whatever expanded to the U.S., and now there's Nutella, Nutella everywhere. Yeah. Um, worse Nutella, if you're <laughs> curious to know. Really? What? It's, less, it's less nutty and a lot sweeter than the European oh, like recipe. Yeah, the reason I asked the question about you, whether this was a topic of discussion, like you're your parents' nationality or, you know, the different places you could have grown up in is because it must be quite a strange situation for parents to bring their children up in a in a country that they didn't grow up in themselves because you wouldn't want to create, you wouldn't want to paint the picture that nationality is too, plays too important a role in the upbringing. But at the same time, you couldn't help but talk about it quite a lot because if we were to bring a child up in, you know, a foreign country, the whole thing would be new to us too. And I think that we would be discussing this quite a lot but you wouldn't want to make the child feel like they were growing up in a kind of strange environment mm -hmm. you want them to feel very much like they belong there yeah. and like they're safe there as well and their parents understand and they feel comfortable too but at the same time you would naturally want to discuss it a lot i think things but, were yeah i think that's something good to be mindful of yeah as parents because yeah your children just will pick up your vibes towards everything yeah you have to be careful like, right yeah because even it. i know it from friends that you know they moved to a different city within germany and we're just like this is not how it is at home mm -hmm. so the children already picked that up the whole time you know yeah. and it just adds this layer of we are something better because yeah. we are from a different city you know so i think that's really nice in a way that you learn to notice differences maybe just because your parents did you still speak german, german at, home. at home yeah mm -hmm. yeah so of course you would know that there's a difference in some sense but also that they wouldn't say the whole time like oh in germany we do this mm -hmm. like this you know yeah. like it's <laughs> oh actually uh, like an important question is so how long did your parents live there before they had you or mm -hmm. are you the eldest i'm yeah. i'm the oldest i have one brother he's four years younger than i am My parents moved first to Canada. Together? Yes. Nice. When I think they were about 25. Wow. And so they lived there for, that's very guesstimate, I think probably four-ish years, and then they moved to the United States. They moved to the United States for a job for my dad, and then about a year later, my mom got pregnant with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe six, yeah. six years of being in North America. And at first they always said, supposedly, I don't remember, that they wanted to move back to Germany. But then my brother came and then my dad got a new job and then right. we moved within the United States. And I was like, ah, well, three more years here and then we'll move back to Germany. <laughs> But then we all really liked it at, yeah. in Nevada where I, where I grew up um, yeah. mostly. And they're still there. <laughs> Nevada's one of those countries where to me it seems so so far away and so kind of it features in so many films that i scarcely believe it's a real place well, you know it's also so not far from my <laughs> from just i've never been to the states and i've never been yeah it's that far away apart from japan of course but mm -hmm. it just feels so kind of 
not artificial, that sounds bad, but it just, it's in my imagination, but actually going there seems so weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. Nevada is also really big and really empty. Yeah, <laughs> I was just so about to say, in my head, it's kind of the nowhere place. Yeah. Even though, what does that mean again? Doesn't that mean something? Nevada in Spanish means like snowed upon. All right. Uh, what a I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it borders on the Sierra Nevada, so the, the snowy mountains. Mm. Um, but for in most of Nevada, I don't think it snows that much because it's pretty desert. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not yeah, exactly. it's not an insane amount of snow yeah. when okay. you leave yeah. the mountains. Yeah. I was just thinking, do I have the wrong place in my head right yeah. now? <laughs> But a fun fact about Nevada is that the furthest place from a McDonald's within the United States is in Nevada. Oh, it's a good thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's very good. Which also speaks to how empty it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So yeah. cool. So do you think that your love for walking and climbing and stuff came from growing up there? Yes, I yeah. think so. My parents are both also very outdoorsy. And so there's pictures of them hiking with me in the, the kid backpack oh, cool. from very early on. And it was just kind of the thing that we did with our, with our family friends on the weekends to go hiking together. And it was always associated with hanging out with my friends. So, oh, nice. nice. Um, Was, I mean, I definitely do remember hikes where I was sitting on a rock on the side of the trail crying because I didn't want to walk because it was mm. hard. Yeah. Um, so the, the love of it really developed over time. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh, you also learned some though. hard lessons as a child. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I'm, I'm really grateful for that part of my upbringing. Mm. Yeah. Reno, the, the city where we lived, had a very big outdoor community that we were very much involved in. Ah, uh, Okay. That's so amazing. That's where that, yeah. that's where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> But I do also like you sharing that part of it was hard sometimes as a oh, child. Yeah. You know, no, as a kid, like walking up a mountain, it makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why would yeah. you do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the first time that I really thought to myself, like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I actually enjoy this was the first time that we did an overnight hike mm. in Yosemite. Oh, wow. Which I think good. I was probably 15. My brother was 11. And we did Half Dome, which is like this massive rock. When you look at it from a distance, it looks like a humongous boulder that was just was chopped in half by a glacier whenever wow. millions of years ago. It's super impressive. And most people do it in one day, but we were young and decided to do it in two. Yeah, nice. So on the first day, we hiked kind of halfway up, left our backpacks there, and on the next day in the morning, did the last little piece up to, up to the very top. Wow. And it was super brutal so steep and exposed on the rock at the wow. top but it was Crazy. incredibly impressive and it was just like this contrast of working so hard for something and like having those moments of doubt like I don't know if I can do this but then actually doing it and proving to myself at the time like oh wow. I can yeah and this is so so sick and it also helped that we did it with family friends again my best friend at the time oh, oh they were so it's like a dual family trip yeah yeah oh, that's nice that's um, really nice it was it was such a blast very, yeah. very <laughs> courageous parents taking you all in that totally your brother being 11 he's pretty young for that kind yeah. of thing right yeah, yeah impressive yeah although I do I have another hiking story which I just recently told another friend as well because it's kind of become a philosophy of mine. We went on a road trip. So all kind of vacations with my family. If we didn't come to the, to Germany to visit family, we were in the car with a tent going to national parks. Nice. And we did one road trip to a national park called Zion, which is in Utah, I believe. And there's a hike called Angel's Landing. And it's also, again, just like looks like a massive rock from the distance and you hike up it. Whoa. And at the top, there's parts where you have to hold on to like chains and kind of like metal ladders that are bolted yeah. into the rock. Yeah, right. Okay. And so it's pretty wow. intense. We were pretty young. I think I was 12. You so were 12? younger. Yeah. My brother was really small. Wow. Um, <laughs> Pro. Wow, wow, wow. And wow. the issue was... We got to what I thought was the top, and it was a false summit. And so it looked like we mm. came out, and I was oh, like, oh, no. yes, we finally made it. Like, thank God, I'm exhausted. And <laughs> Halfway. Yeah, and it was not <laughs> the top. And so then we oh, went up no. another one, and I was like, all right, this is it. We're gonna, this is gonna be the final stretch. Like, come on, Nina, pull yourself together. Like, just go. And we made it to the top, and 
we sat down and started eating because we thought it was the top. And then we saw people coming from farther up and they were like, oh no, it keeps going. And I was like, I oh, no. don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. this sucks. I'm hot and exhausted. Um, and my when mom you're said, 12 as well. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well. And my mom said, like, if you don't want to do it, you can just wait here. We'll go up to the top real quick and come back down and then we can go down. And so that's what I did. And I sat there and under a tree and played with rocks until my, my parents and my brother came back down. Sweet. And we talked about it a couple years later and my mom said that the reason why she didn't force, like it could, depending on your philosophy, it could be like a lesson, like, you know, toughen up, do it, you have to, yeah, you have no. to make it to the top yeah. to prove it to yourself or to whoever. Yeah. But she said since it's kind of this more technical climbing, you have to hold on to things, there yeah. is risk involved. Yeah, you have she to have said, the yeah. feeling for it in a way in that yeah, if, moment. Yeah, if you're not wanting to do it and you're dragging your feet, that's when something happens. Yeah. If you're not fully committed, that's yeah. when it gets dangerous. And so she was like, no one's forcing you to, to do it. You just hang out. Of course, I beat myself up for it a no. couple years later and I still want to go back to finish that hike <laughs> how cool is that yeah, exactly though? yeah exactly um, you still have got something to yeah to add to that story in a sense yeah definitely but yeah wise mama I would say definitely that's really really valuable lesson I mean I think my my mom had the a similar approach just being kind of like you don't want to do it you just don't do it because then you also have that weird feeling as a child right like you get stressed or something thinking like oh I have to like achieve this now or so it's it's actually really nice I didn't think that hiking parents would be like that <laughs> so it's <laughs> really nice to special. hear yeah no yeah. totally they sound, they sound, I'm really impressed with your parents yeah they sound, <laughs> yeah. They sound really cool and like you mentioned too at the start of our chat here that I can totally see how your open-mindedness, which is really obvious, by the way, like you, you really feel that when you meet you. Yeah. I can see how that would have formulated from such an upbringing. Totally. I think it's really yeah. cool. I'll have Very to send impressive. my parents this episode. They'll be so happy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Mom and yeah. dad, you did a great job. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Congrats. <agree>. Yeah. <laughs> did everything right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, I'm sort of like, you know, I can't help but kind of compare my own upbringing to, to the stories you're telling us. And it kind of like, I really feel like I grew up in a small town now, you know, because our, mm -hmm. our scope was so much smaller because my mum and dad were from Aberdeen. I grew up in Aberdeen. It's a tiny place. And we went climbing in the hills, not mountains, but close to our home. And it was just, you know, I had a great time being a child, but it was, it wasn't nearly as adventurous. And the whole thing was just but there's still, different. There's, yeah, exactly. It's so, so different. You yeah, know, like, like I learned my versions of lessons, but it was just very different. And I think that yeah. you were like, in a sense, like you weren't thrust into the deep end because you got the choice a lot from your parents, but you were like exposed to these things, you know? Yeah. Like in a sense, you maybe got a grasp for the big wide world sooner than I did. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, yeah and it's sure. a big privilege that I was able to experience these kinds of things and also travel from such a young age because of my international background and our entire family being in Germany. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But ultimately, I think as far as adventure goes and like learning life lessons, it doesn't have to be on top of a super impressive mm. mountains. Like it can be in the hills in your backyard. And yeah. now with Corona as well, we were just talking earlier about the fact that I, I've been hiking a lot in Brandenburg, which is just the very kind of boring outskirts of Berlin there's not mm -hmm. a whole lot there but trying to find that same sense of adventure kind of just outside of your your doorstep yeah, yeah sure and that in and of itself is a big skill as well and something that takes practice um, yeah. and a certain kind of mindset I've learned in the yeah. past in yeah, the past yeah, phase sure. of of this these past two years yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree though like I think it's very impressive of course and also for your parents to have that confidence and trust in you you know because that's also putting a lot of trust in your own children that they're able to do it which is a really nice approach yeah. of course yeah yeah and then also still having that sense of I give you the choice it's not all all in or nothing kind of thing but yeah it is really amazing to have that sort of sense of outdoors and because I yeah I also don't have that <laughs> just being able to climb anything like I'm happy if I go for a nice walk up a very subtle hill <laughs> but I'm just so much more used to ocean vibes but yeah it's it's just different I think it's completely it is yeah. fine but it's it definitely is so nice how that brought you a lot on your way and on your journeys to other places as well. 
because I was thinking maybe you wanted to speak a little bit about your South America adventures as well. Because、mm-hmm. I think that's also really nice. They're tying into this theme because that was a big part of it. Yeah, yeah it sort of set the scene. <laughs>、mm-hmm. so、yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it's 2019. It's nice yeah, yeah. How it's like going through that, like like a thread through、yeah. your. You don't say that in English, right? Yeah, the rote Faden in <laughs> exactly. German. Exactly. What's、the、that in English? Thread, the connecting Lego pieces. I don't know. Like can, the framework for your no, how do you say that? Laid the foundations sounds very technical and boring. Yeah, I think there's like a literary term for like an extended, not an extended metaphor, but like a thing, an, a reoccurring theme,、mm-hmm. kind of. And if I had a reoccurring、yeah. theme in my life, that really also、uh, coming back to the question of you know where does your story begin or、mm-hmm. who are you? Yeah. I think moving around a lot as a kid. So when I was four, we moved from Wisconsin to Nevada, which I don't remember. I don't think that had a big influence on my personality. Oh, still. Other than luckily not having、still. to grow up in Wisconsin, nothing against Wisconsin, but <laughs> Nevada was cooler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.、Um, also, we, you still would have experienced that. Yeah. Still, yeah, was、I'm、part、sure、of your story,、have. I would say. And then when I was sixteen, we moved to Maryland. And so especially that that second move, especially at a time where. You know, in the middle of my teenage years,、yeah. puberty,、uh, f- trying to figure out who I am,、yeah. was a really big opportunity for me to reinvent myself and、mm-hmm. really actively choose like which parts of myself do I like and do I want to work on and、yeah. kind of present outward,、mm-hmm. and which parts of myself do I want to to kind of release. Let go.、Know? of、oh, So I, I grew up, or most of my childhood, I was a very shy, shy person. I went to a.、Uh, Small Montessori school, which is kind of like alternative education, yeah. Where my friends from preschool were the、Seriously, kids. Seriously, just to interrupt there for a second, your parents sound <laughs> so amazing. Like really conscious choices with you two, yeah, as children. They are really amazing. Yeah. Do they have、Sounds、an instruction、really、manual to offer us? <laughs> I'll take a PDF. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give them a call in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, the when I I grew up as a pretty shy person, since the the kids that I was friends with in preschool were also the kids that I graduated with, and so I never really had to put myself out there and make new friends, and so I was just very comfortable, kind of, not talking to strangers, and I think most people now who meet me would peg me as an extrovert, like, in the first moment, even though. I'm not really. I feel like I'm. Like, I've converted myself into a more extroverted person, even though actually I really do enjoy and need time for myself, which、yeah. is also where the whole hiking thing comes、yeah. in very well. See, we've been talking about that as well. To again cut in here quickly, <laughs> like I feel like lots of us have both in us. You know, you can still be really extroverted in situations of connecting to people because. I can definitely relate, and I think Steve as well. We're all like air signs as well, by the way. <laughs> so we like to be floating around different people and getting like lots of inspiration from that. That's why the last year has been quite challenging in that sense, I guess, because I do miss that human touch with lots of different people, hugging all kinds of people <laughs> as well. But on the other hand, also having that, I'm really. Balanced and okay to just spend time by myself and just you know doing my thing. Sorry if I completely <laughs> led you away from your point. No, <laughs> absolutely no worries. Yeah, the the balance is really where it's at.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so so moving and having that opportunity at sixteen to kind of make conscious decisions about where I wanted. My personality to go, to go. I mean, as,、yeah. at sixteen, it's really a kind of character forming time, and seeing that I do have the capability to kind of make those decisions and to put myself out there and talk to people, even if I didn't know them and if I was uncomfortable, and that that's okay, and you can still、yeah. talk to people, and that's、yeah. fine. And I really enjoyed those last. The, I only lived in Maryland for two years, but I had a fantastic time. I met a lot of really great people, and. That move at sixteen, I think, and showing myself that I was capable of doing that, gave me the confidence to then, instead of going directly to college like all of my friends did at the time, take a year off, and I went to Spain as an au pair and took care of two kids, which I could talk ages about how fantastic that was. So great.、Um, but that that experience of then moving to a foreign country. 
where also a language was spoken that I was not very good at. I took high school Spanish, but meant nothing, <laughs> as I realized when I arrived. So how old were you then when you I was 17 to... when I went to Spain. 17? Yeah, and then I turned oh, wow. 18 in Spain. Mm -hmm. Wow, well, that's again very impressive. <laughs> yeah, looking back, it's also pretty crazy that I that I did that. But yeah. at the time, I was like, this is just kind of what I what I want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to study or do when I grew up. Yeah, I wish I did now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then I came to Germany to study, and always knew that I wanted to take the opportunity to go abroad from being already abroad again, since there's yeah. not that many times in life where you have the opportunity to just travel and, and yeah. be in foreign countries. And going to a Spanish-speaking country was always the key detail of whatever experience it was going to be because I wanted to continue to practice my Spanish. And I'm also just in love with all Spanish-speaking cultures and how yeah. kind of laid back it is and... Yeah open and friendly people everywhere, which kind of has a little bit more of a U.S. American vibe, especially in comparison to, to Germany. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so I just was scrolling down the list of places I could go with a university and in some other travels I had heard about Colombia and how nice and cool it was supposed to be and Colombia was on the list and so I just kind of applied randomly I mean I knew I wanted to go abroad but I thought I was going to organize it myself and go externally from the university program yeah and applied through the university as a backup and so I I, if anyone who also went through university hears this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I applied very kind of unfocused and made some things up to write on my application. And somehow yeah. it worked out. Well, I was meant to be. So I guess so. And I, so I went to uh, Medellin, Colombia for what was meant to be a year. It ended up being about 10 months, uh, 9 or 10. was cut short because of corona, yeah. as many things were. But what, I mean, when I look back now... It could not have been better timing. I mean, I don't know when it will be possible to have the kind of experience that I had in that first semester yeah, for sure. again yeah. in the future. And Okay, just to mm -hmm. quickly jump back, mm -hmm. because there were so many really interesting things <laughs> you just said as well. With your personality, you know, when you move, I think it's really nice that you were conscious about wanting to let go of some things and really strong character-wise as well, because I had same feelings about my shyness when I was around 15 and really wanted to let go of it but really had a huge challenge and could only really let go of it once I was out of my school you know being together with the same people and then really even though I knew it like two years before and it was really stressing me out at that point that I couldn't manage to show that in school properly or whatever you know so I think it's very again <laughs> impressive that you managed to not only be conscious about what you wanted to like go of but then even change it as well yeah but I think that was also just facilitated through the move because you said you thought about it and but it only worked once you left that kind of mm -hmm. space that you were in in school with the same friends if I had stayed at the school where I was or the high school where I was in Nevada I don't think I would have made that kind of character development or yeah. that step because but still at that you know, point to like people manage to yeah. then <laughs> actually do it and like go of it because I think it was more gradual for me it's really really nice and then yeah to go to Spain when you're 17 yeah like usually I think you know we all are aware of age doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want still when you're 50, 60, 70. But just to mention quickly, how old are you now? I'm 23. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's also so impressive for all the things you're doing just by yourself and managing and navigating through your own journeys. Thanks. Yeah. I, I would like to say, though, the whole character development thing, despite the fact that it's going well and I, I enjoy being with myself and this kind of journey that I've been on, it's also not like, ah, I just let go of my shyness and now I'm fine. Like, if I'm at a house party alone, I 
do also tend to just talk to one person. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, you're nice. I'll hang out yeah. with you the entire night. Like yeah. I've, unless I'm in a context where I feel very confident, I will yeah. kind of go back to more of that shyness. And that's okay, but yes. it's, it's like a continuing we all, exactly. development. We all can still dip into yeah. these things. And given like, it's also, of course, got to do with your surroundings and if people are really open. And I do definitely like that too. Once you get to a place and someone is really, you know, open and friendly, then it's also really nice just to speak to that one person a long time because you actually feel like you're connecting properly, you know? So I think that's also a quality. Why not to go with that, you know? Yeah, I think it's also easy to slip into kind of the construct that our society has created of extroverts get far, extroverts are like the ideal. You know, it's, it's also just kind of the way that society has formed us to think mm-hmm. and more introverted tendencies or shyness. It's also not a bad thing. And it doesn't no. really say anything bad about us as people yeah. who are more shy. Yeah. Yeah. And it also just so. really doesn't mean that you can't have both exactly in you. You know, I think that those concepts need to be broken up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just to be like, you can be that person outside and then you can also really need your own cocoon and your own space again. Yeah. yeah. I think also as well, from the outside, if you, let's take for example, like the party situation, you know, when you arrive at a party, you kind of feel like you are encroaching on a group of friends who all know each other. But I think sometimes, well, more often than not, that's not actually the case. Like everybody who arrived probably felt the same. But we just tend to make the assumption that, you know, if we don't feel like going around everyone and like introducing yourself or, or making your voice heard, you kind of feel like, yeah, I'm the shy one at the party. But I would hazard a guess that everyone was in the same position upon their arrival. And if you really look around, you see that people do tend to just stay in the same like microcosm of like two to three people. But if you have this like level, well, it's not necessarily insecurity, but if you if you're kind of aware of your shyness a bit, like like I often am, you do often think that you're different to others. But I think that's very seldomly actually the case. I think that everybody has the ability to feel like that too and feel like they're somehow different. But I think everyone's in the same position, especially at the house party situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, because we all, you know, we just feel like they all know each other. I don't know anybody. But usually that's not the case at all. Everyone's came from different corners and, you know, but it just looks to the naked eye like that's a, a close group of friends and we're the we're the newest addition to it and therefore I'm kind of on the outside but but it is different I also think if you have the guts to go by yourself to a house party you know because lots of people just do not do that you know and that's definitely throwing yourself more into the deep end and of course when you then meet a nice person that's actually up for talking to you then you're just kind of like okay cool (laughs) but I actually had that thought myself at one party like you know I came along and I felt a wee bit like sheepish and I wasn't too, wasn't too open with walking around the different people and saying hi. But then I saw somebody else coming after me and I could tell that they felt just as I did. And I could tell that they were looking at me as if I was somebody who was more extroverted than they were because I was in a good conversation in that moment and I was laughing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how funny, they're, they're kind of misunderstanding me. They yeah. think I'm one of these extroverted, yeah. mysterious people, but I'm not. I'm just <laughs> like true. you. Like I was yeah. here 10 minutes ago feeling yeah. just like you, you know? That's very so true. just, um, I think we have a a predisposition to feel like that but it does, doesn't necessarily relate to the truth of the situation yeah yeah i think we all share very similar we do insecurities exactly mm-hmm. uh, i mean yeah. like everyone it's in has self-doubt definitely and yeah. it feels insecure yeah and it's so easy to always look at someone else who's who's laughing in a good conversation yeah. and, and assume they have it they all. have it figured out yeah yeah <laughs> Why are they so comfortable here? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. And we don't know anything about them, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think as well, like, you seem to me like a very focused person as well. So I think it, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, in a sense, you would wait till you get into, like, a really good discussion at one of these parties. And then if you find someone that is on the same wavelength, then you would like to explore the discussion more. And I think that, to me, that's not surprising because you seem like somebody who really wants to talk about kind of meaningful stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you get people who are more comfortable with small talk mm-hmm. and then those who are more comfortable with deep discussion yeah and they're both perfectly valid forms of of socializing of course yeah but yeah i'm like you i prefer to get into like a really weird <laughs> long chat <laughs> yeah as opposed to just being like surface level with many people like I did, that kind of tires me out yeah um, also though like you know 
just coming back to that shyness. I think that's a really nice learning as well. Once you have that shyness, to be really open again, <laughs> relating back to that point as well, open and friendly and smiley to other people. Because you know that feeling of what am I actually doing here by myself? Everyone's cooler than I am. If more people were smiling more because they had that experience of being really shy and not knowing. I think it would break up the whole house party, whatever party, whatever Venistash or gathering a lot more yeah. because often that's the that's when I get shy if I don't see a person smiling back at me, you know, yeah, and I'm kind of like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, that needs to be welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we all be, remember that. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. As we come out of Corona now, that could be a little like homework for everyone. I think yeah. for myself as well, because if you are in the privileged situation of feeling comfortable at a house party because it's your friend who's yeah. throwing yeah. it and you know mm-hmm. a lot of people, to keep an eye out for the people who are new exactly. and yeah. looking lost in the corner yeah. because we've all been that person. Yes. You're right, you're right. It creates a much more like welcoming, as you said, atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. But as well, I think it's, you know, if, if you are the newcomer, yeah, if you're the new addition to the friends group, it's very easy to kind of criticize others for not inviting you into it. But if you, if you imagine if you were in a, a position like you just mentioned, where you are with your close friends, there's 10, you, you grew up together, the, the house parties, you make up the majority. Mm-hmm. And then someone takes a friend of a friend of a friend and they come into the apartment. If you are already engaged in like a pretty, like, I don't know, loose, easygoing conversation with your mates, are you really going to be the person who kind of leaves the group and walks over and tries to you know assist the person who just arrived in getting into the chat yeah sometimes you won't even notice it exactly like you just innocently won't notice them arriving because you're so into the chat with your friends you're catching up having a good time you know like it just might but completely that is breeze sort of over you what we mean you know to practice being aware of your surroundings yeah, yeah no i'm just saying it's hard it's easier just, said than done like even yeah. if you just give that smile over you know it doesn't yeah. mean you have to completely interrupt your but just that one look over, making eye contact and smiling is such a different vibe. And I think that's kind of I know what you mean, but I still think that's easier said than done. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think like, because I But let's I'm, make it, you know, a little practice because often, <laughs> yeah, like sure. we did on the podcast, we, we don't do it every episode, but yeah, that should be that. our practice for all of us yeah. in the future, especially when there's bigger gatherings again, just to try to do it. It's not even bad. It's okay to sometimes if it slips yeah. but if you have that on your mind and are aware of maybe trying to do it that's think, already it i think yeah at the same time as as trying to do that i think that we should always we should also try to realize that people's motivations aren't always of non or exclusion you mm. know i think that yeah, no, totally. because you do tend to assume that there's a, a level of arrogance like no one's greeted you <laughs> they seem like they don't want you to be part yeah. of the chat they're just having a good time yeah. with their friends and i think that we should also be understanding towards that because often i if i'm not made to feel welcome or just yeah you know accepted as one of the good close friends then i feel a little bit hard done by like i feel a bit like they could have made more effort but that's not their motivation at all I no, think totally. A bit of, a bit of, of understanding course it from goes both sides. Both ways, yeah. yeah. You as the person entering, making an effort to just everyone having an open mind, I guess, and just thinking that everyone means well and is in a good yeah. vibe, mood, yeah. whatever in that moment. Yeah, because often you'll yeah. find, I mean, there's a few parties where I've tried to really push myself more and you'll just, you'll, you'll feel shy, like your insecurities are at the front, but you'll just say, now nah, I've got to overcome this and you just walk over to like a group of people <laughs> and you think mm-hmm. that they're going to think that's very strange. But as soon as you just say like, hey, my name's Steve, then you're accepted immediately yeah. more often than not. Yeah, that's true. But they just didn't yeah. notice you. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they were so engrossed in their chat, they didn't yeah. even see you coming. Yeah. And then when you do just sort of appear beside them, they're completely happy just to welcome you in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, it's not a dead end if you don't get that smile. Yeah. I just mean, you know, it's nice to try to notice, just to give that little yeah. lens of, oh, I see that someone else is entering the yeah. room. Yeah. It's quite nice. Yeah. Do you feel like your, um, how did your insecurities or, or your feelings of like, you know, your shy origins, did they play a role in your travels in South America? Did you feel like, because you obviously had to spend time with quite unfamiliar people to you or like you were in hostels or like campsites. Did you ever feel like that was like an issue or was it holding you back or was it, did you feel like you were still trying to conquer it in a way? It depended so much on where I was. In Colombia, that's super easy because everyone is so talkative. And also 
I'm very white and very blonde, very European looking. And so people were always very curious as well and would come over and start asking me questions about where I'm from and mm -hmm. why I chose this town to travel, like sometimes a little bit of like surprise, like, oh, why mm -hmm. would you come here? And <laughs> so to generalize, say that the Colombians who I met made it very easy for me. Right, okay. I didn't have nice. to work yeah, very yeah. hard to yeah. overcome anything because yeah. they were so welcoming. Right. That's great. And the nice thing about traveling alone um, every once in a while as well is that you connect with other people who are traveling alone who are in exactly the same situation as you are. So for to come back to the party situation, if I come through the door by myself and there's a mass of people and everyone's standing in groups already, I'm like, whew, I don't know if I can do this. But in hostels, there's so many other people who are also by themselves. True. So in the communal yeah. areas, someone will be sitting by themselves looking at a map. Almost every time right. there's someone yeah. just like trying to figure out where they're going. And so yeah. then you just, it's and practice. And you have that in common. You have yeah. the fact that traveling's point. in common. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, it may, it's almost easier for me while traveling mm -hmm. to, to talk to random people mm -hmm. yeah. than it is here in Berlin. It's a purpose yeah, for discussion. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I was... <laughs> Sometimes when I talk about traveling, I feel like I certainly have traveled a lot, but I have so many stories from so many different parts of the world that it's like, oh, and then I was here and then I was there. Uh, it, and it has really been that way, but sometimes it feels weird within one conversation mentioning like all of the places that I've been. But Silva and I met in India. And so before our yoga teacher training, I traveled around for two weeks. And the first day uh, I was in Delhi also by myself my suitcase got lost on the way so I was still wearing the clothes that I had worn in the flight over wow. and I didn't have a sim card for my phone yet and so I talked to the hostel the guy who was working at the hostel and asked him like where could I go kind of to like get a lay of the land a little bit mm -hmm. and so he like gave me a paper map and showed like put a few x's and was like go here and there and you just have to take the metro a few stops so you'll be fine wow and I left the hostel and I walked I swear, like 20 meters, and I w there was traffic everywhere, and I felt so watched by like all of the people, and I felt so insecure that I turned around and I went back to the hostel and looked at my and to connect to the internet to make sure that I really knew where I was going. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I think I have it under control. And so I left the hostel again. Maybe I made it 50 meters this time to like the first <laughs> street crossing, and I was like, am I sure that I like walked in the right direction? Do I need to turn somewhere? Like, I'm not sure. Should the metro station not already be here? And I turned around and I went back to the hostel <laughs> again. And then the, the guy who I talked to had given me the paper map. He was like, Nina, why are you still here? You Didn't you leave like an hour ago? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I just, and he, and he was like, just go. Like, you'll be fine. Nothing's going to happen. I was like, you're right. And I went out and I was super uncomfortable for almost the entire day because I was super insecure about where I was going. Uh, and I was by myself. And in India, it was such a culture shock. I mean, yeah. prior to that traveling, I'd always felt like I felt somewhat comfortable, either because I spoke the language, uh, also speaking Spanish, or yeah. in Europe, so many, almost everyone speaks English. Mm -hmm. um, and in India, certainly a lot of people speak English as well, but not everyone. And I just felt so alienated, which was an exciting adrenaline spiking experience. But there I was, I totally regressed back to my insecure, shy self. I was like, I, this is so uncomfortable. But it was also a learning experience. And yeah. after a few days, I met some other travelers and then tagged along with them. And that definitely gave me a sense of security. Also nice. the SIM card for my phone. I don't know how people traveled before technology. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. So I know you said that um, you believe you were behaving like that because it, you kind of regressed your old shy self. But I think also shows that you are very much in touch with listening to your intuitions when you feel safe and when you don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure your parents are delighted that you still behave mm -hmm. like this because it shows you're not naive <laughs> yeah. as well. Like That's you're in a true. very extreme yeah. situation here. You, know, yeah. you didn't speak the language like you said. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a clue where you were effectively. Yeah. If you didn't behave like how you did, what's the opposite? You would just blindly walk around hoping for the best in a place where, where you could barely communicate. I think in a sense you just did the minimum to ensure your safety, to be honest. Yeah. And I would be delighted that if my child behaved mm. just like that, <laughs> it's very reassuring. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And I think, sure. yeah, I think that it was, in a sense, you did the best thing. And then you kind of like... You know, after this experience, you learned that maybe you could relax a bit because it wasn't maybe it wasn't as dangerous as you first perceived it to be. But yeah, you did wasn't. the necessary groundwork, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's true, though. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. Just to give it a moment as well. You know, often I think we're expecting so much 
of ourselves to just just dive right in there and be okay with it it's completely fine like I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but like my mom used to also say even like traveling, you know, how like Native American people always say that your soul travels slower, sort of more the pace that you would nearly like walk it or so, you know, because our soul can't really get the concept of a plane or a train. So it always takes a little bit longer to just arrive in that place and even sometimes being just aware of uh, maybe not quite here yet so therefore yeah maybe not being quite ready to have two overwhelming experiences yeah. is also really completely like fine yeah that makes so much sense to me yeah because me i too. feel like every time you get out of a plane or a long train ride there's like or even a long car ride mm-hmm. i have like this surreal feeling of yeah. like where is this real? Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I actually yeah. like coming out of a plane right now and am? And is it not X-Men? simulation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It just feels really weird in the first yeah. in the first few Too hours. Too much taken off, isn't totally. it? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think even like the way you returned to the to the hostel like two or three times, like you needed his reassurance as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, he reassured you that, and then you believed after he told you for the second time, yeah. whatever, that you should just go for it. Yeah. That it was safe. You know, if you're not like proceeding forward with that actual belief that it's safe you would have acted differently too Mm -hmm. so I think that yeah you were just looking after yourself yeah Yeah, and also I thought even when you first mentioned him in that story as well what a nice interaction you know for him to actually kind of give you that space and support yeah to be like you're okay and then you're actually okay you trusted him then yeah shout out to Anas I still follow him on Instagram. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I think um, as much as I would love to just rely on myself for self-reassurance and self-confidence, sometimes having that external kind of bouncing board of like, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. It's so valuable. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it is like also being able to trust people around you and again, having that intuition to be like, this is a person I can actually listen to. That, that's a very positive thing. Yeah. I think it's not about cutting those things off and be like, oh, I'm, I'm completely fine, just independent by myself all the time. Yeah. I think it's, it takes, especially when you're traveling, it's a very good thing to have a feel for other people supporting you in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how you just, you just need people sometimes. You know, if you're in a situation which feels like maybe you're in danger or something, you just need somebody, you need to speak to somebody and have them reassure you that it's going to be fine. And, you know, Lynn and I went on a hike in Scotland two years ago. For us, it was a pretty big mountain. Yeah. It is a big mountain, may I, <laughs> may I add. And for us, it was a gigantic mountain. Nina would Perilous. probably sprint up it. In... Yeah, it's like a speed bump for you. Yeah. I have a massively wrong idea of how I hike. I'm not that fast. <laughs> well, you're faster than oh, we are. You, anyway, you like, would be fast and you would say, okay. That was the warm-up. Where are we going now? And we would be like, okay, wow. Yeah, you know. challenging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you even understand the concept of it's... This, is this a concept? It's easy to get up, but it's hard to come down? Probably. I think so. Yeah. I know okay. that my knees definitely agree with yeah, that right, statement. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And the weather can change and stuff. And anyway. Yeah. So we, yeah, we'd walked up a big hill and then realized when we got to the top that the path that we'd came up was probably a bit more dangerous to go back down again because we actually on all fours climbed up. And to kind of descend without ropes then would be quite difficult. Yeah. So we were kind of desperately looking for advice on how to get down safely. So we ended up really just like, like actually running around different groups of people seeing, asking, how can we actually descend this mountain? Where do we go? Because it just looked like (laughs) we're in the Himalayas to us, it was in Scotland. So just approached them and we were just actually approached almost everyone and anyone just saying, like, where are you going now? Are you you descending? Are you going further afield? You know, because a lot of people were actually, that was the start of their journey for the day. Mm -hmm. They were going to other peaks. So we were just (laughs) desperately looking for anyone that was headed down to the car park. And it was just so good We were very like friendly invited as well to join them on the continuous journey. And we were kind of like, "Mm." Yeah. yeah. And it's just amazing like you know as soon as we find people that were indeed descending and going in a direction we wanted to like it just felt so reassuring yeah yeah you know and, and also it's surprising how your usual kind of social norm of is it okay to approach people now is it weird if i just go and talk to them 
for me, that just goes out the window. When you need help, you just approach people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just say like, can we please come with you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mind if that's weird. Like it might be weird, but really sincerely, can I please come with you? We definitely sure okay. felt like children yeah. and they were like, okay, you yeah. just follow us then. <laughs> yeah, and it was wonderful. And, and just to have that reassurance and to have a bit of support and just be with people who you feel like they know a bit more than we do. So it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just that human connection is just vital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an, I really enjoy it as well. I mean, if you're stressed about how to get down the mountain, maybe in the moment you're like not thinking about how nice it is to talk all of these to mm-hmm. all of these different people. Yeah. But I mean, I thought at some point they might need to get a helicopter up there because we were like, <laughs> oh, sound it sounds stressful. I'm sorry that you had to experience that because um, <laughs> there was learn. there was no paths as well. We tried to be informed mm. beforehand and not be completely naive. And it said, oh, there's lots of paths down. And they're pointing you the right direction. And there was no path. So we were walking through the fields. (laughs) Yeah, lesson learned. Different publications have different definitions for things. Mm. So we were looking on the, I think it's called the Ordnance Surveil Map or something in Scotland. And their definition of a way down is just, this is a possible (laughs) way down the mountain. It doesn't mean this is a path. Yeah. You know, so I learned a lesson. If it says this is this is the way down, it's just like that's the side of the mountain that you can maybe get down. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's a line there, if it if it looks like a path, it's probably just well, I don't know. Like animal tracks. <laughs> Whatever. It was <laughs> it wasn't a path. Yeah. So like yeah, check your definitions before you head out. If something says it's a way down, it doesn't mean this is a well trodden footpath. Mm-hmm. You know? That's so interesting to me as well though, because I remember I, I was hiking in Patagonia last January, February. And there was a moment as well where I was talking to a guy who lived in one of the villages and I pointed at a mountain. I was like, oh, like that is so cool. What is it called? And we were talking about it. And he's like, yeah, I've been up there so many times. I was like, oh, cool. And I was talking to him thinking like maybe I could go up this mountain on one of my my free days. And so I asked him where the path was to go to the top. He's like, oh, there's no path. You just go up. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. for, that was such a foreign concept to me because in the United States, all the national parks, there's always trails and signs and it's maintained. Yeah. And same thing in Europe. All of the hikes that I had was doing in the region there were all also marked yeah. um, in like real life, not just on the GPS for, yeah. for the most part. And I mean, I grew up with staying on the trail so you don't, so you don't step on any plants and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. just... Yeah going up the side of the mountain. It still didn't feel dangerous, funnily enough, at any point. We were a bit like, at the top, we were kind of like, okay, what do we do? But, you know, there was enough people around, luckily, that it was like, we'll be fine somehow, even if we wait for a wee while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, the reassurance of other people. Yeah. Exactly. We're social beings. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very grateful for all these... I call them in a friendly manner oldies because they were so impressive and so much faster than we were. Yeah. <laughs> they were just waltzing up it as well. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, for us, it was just a fear of the unknown. And it was our first proper hike in a while, or ever. Mm-hmm. So it was just really, you don't really know your limits and you don't really know your surroundings. And so you're, you're totally in the unexplored, unknown, anything could happen. You know, like Lynn said, looking back at it now, there was no real danger in the way down, but we didn't know that. And that's what could cause trouble for you. Yeah. So, because, go ahead. <laughs> because the, the way down that we took ended up being the right way down, but we didn't know that. We wouldn't have taken that way down. Yeah. We went back the way we came, which was not safe to return. It's a little bit of like a metaphor for life. I mean, you never really know what's going to happen yeah. in yeah. the future or what happens if you take this path or the other path. Yeah. I mean, we're faced with these kinds of decisions all the time that yeah. have such a big effect on our lives in the long run. Definitely. Yeah. And so being outside on the top of a mountain in Scotland with no trails anywhere in sight is kind of what it feels like to be alive right now during corona where you're yeah, like yeah. there's all these yeah. different things that i could be doing or should not yeah. be doing or do i get this vaccine or the other vaccine mm-hmm. or yeah. no vaccine and yeah for sure what does that mean yeah. absolutely <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah. yeah also definitely this whole human connection thing because i basically really trusted those two people and i was just following in a very trusting manner and whilst we did it i didn't realize it we were climbing down a waterfall <laughs> and then looking back up it and seeing that it was indeed quite the steep waterfall. Yeah, it was a dried waterfall. It was basically very close to being vertical mm-hmm. and it was super high. Mm-hmm. But by that time, like our adrenaline had fully kicked in. So we were just thinking like, it was honestly, you know, when you enter survival mode, 
Mm-hmm. And you know you're just, we've got to do this for sure. But also that trust. I was really surprised because for some reason, I think you noticed how steep it was whilst we did it. But I was just looking, you know, where she was going in front of me. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just go there and there and there. I was like, she's fine. They're both fine. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I think we're really far into this episode. And maybe we can have you back at some point and hear a little bit more about South America because I feel like we could still hear more about it. Yeah. You guys ask fascinating questions. I could, I feel like I could talk with you for days. I mean, I know that <laughs> I can. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But we got a really good insight into your philosophy. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was really, yeah, it was really, it was nice. really nice, for yeah. sure. I've really enjoyed this. This is super fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much for taking the time and being up for it. One more question. Was mm-hmm. there maybe a record of the week that you listened to or maybe a playlist that motivated you this week for your writing fashion language for an album <laughs> i know we, we call it record yeah. of the week yeah. just because i think it sounds nicer to call there's it record of the yeah. week yeah there's yeah. an age difference but anyway yeah. album or <laughs> yeah this this week i've been listening to a playlist that i created called nice. uh, tropical techno yeah i don't like techno but i like everything on this playlist and cool. it's straight mostly El Buo, who is a, a dj a little bit of oh, yeah, I know that. yeah and then some like similar djs and artists and it's Very all good. kind of beats with different instruments and bird sounds yes and it's like very chilled but still upbeat enough that i can yeah. work on my university things and kind of nice. bob around to the yeah. beat uh, yeah. without falling asleep because sometimes cool. it's like meditative focused music I just completely zone out is and this can't too think soothing? Anymore. yeah it's much yeah. too soothing yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like a lullaby totally yeah. yeah I think that's the kind of playlist we all need in our lives right now so I it's shall time of year. share it yeah. down below I'll share anything else you'd like me to share as well so have a look in the show notes as I like yeah. to call them <laughs> and yeah thank you so so much and yeah Hopefully see you back. Yeah, we'll here pick it up soon. At some point. Yeah. Excited. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and have a good week and right. day. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.